but you're certainly a good benefit the more you know about even other people's jobs because you're able to you know empathize and understand their challenges from multiple departments and able to help communicate and bridge the gap of communication between all the workers in those departments. Hello, and you are listening to the Product Builders Podcast. In each episode, your hosts, Sean O'Shea and Mark Garcia of Majestic Apps, speak with some of today's leading product builders. We dive into their stories and tactical lessons that you can use when building digital products. This episode is brought to you by Majestic Apps. We imagine, design, and build digital products. Ready to create something amazing? Contact us at MajesticApps.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Product Builders Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Garcia, and on the show today, we have Anthony Corozo, the Director of User Experience and Design at Newsday Media. Anthony, really great having you on the show today. I know we've been planning this interview for a while. How are you? Doing great, doing great. I'm glad it's finally here and we're able to talk. Great. So to kick things off, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about what you do and where you work. So my name is Anthony Crozo. I'm a designer and front-end developer. I was born and raised here in New York. I live out in Long Island with my wife, and we have two toddlers. Uh, we have a two-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl, and I'm still working from home, so it can be a little nutty. So if you hear some rhinos stomping in the background, rest assured, it's just my kids. So I've been a designer for almost 20 years now, and the early part of my career was really focused on print design and physical products. I did a lot of posters. I did three-dimensional signs. I did trade shows, store signage, uh, worked for marketing, things like business cards, magazines, advertising. And I also designed for retail clothing stores, did a lot of their in-store uh, signs. And then as my career progressed, it got more and more digital. I did a web design for some nonprofits. I worked for United Nations for a year, uh, which was pretty cool. And Recently and currently, I work for Newsday as their designer. That's awesome. And so for those people who might be unfamiliar with Newsday Media and what exactly they do, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do and what type of projects you work on? Uh, of course. Yeah, so uh, Newsday is the largest newspaper on Long Island. We've been around since 1940, so long before I've even been around. And so I've been there for over 10 years now, and I... And their director of user experience and design. But before that, I was their lead UI designer for many years. That's great. And what kinds of projects do you get to work on? I kind of break the projects down into uh, two categories. One is like our normal site. So we have newsday.com and it's what you'd expect. You go to a news site and we have all our categories, tons of pages, articles, stories. So I work on the main website that's both mobile and desktop. I work on the app, which tries to mimic the mobile experience work on all sorts of supplemental material like newsletters and pretty much all the other parts of the website. You know, we have a sports section, we have a restaurant feed me section, we have an opinion section. So we build all those. And the, the second part of my job is something we call special projects. And these special projects are usually big, long form stories that are usually an investigative piece or a documentary type of thing. And they're usually treated as a special, unique item where we give them their own branding, we'll create a cool logo, a unique look, and really create interesting interactives, some other infographics, special A-sides, block quotes, special video presentations. So really to create a unique experience for these. And these we actually set up in um, WordPress so the editors can 
have really a lot of control. They just learn some basic HTML and can move all the pieces around. That's great. You sound like you work on quite a bit of different types of projects and whatnot at Newsday. I think what's really interesting for me is that I come from a really similar background. So I went the whole graphic design route and, you know, back in the day without giving away my age, I think digital design wasn't really a thing that was taught. It was very much so traditional print, right? So, you know, business cards, logo design, branding. I worked doing textbook layouts for a little bit. So I'm curious to hear what your transition was like going from, you know, that traditional print medium of what you learned and studied in school and then transitioning into the digital world and then beyond digital going into user experience, which is also its own subset of design. Yeah, that's definitely something new too. Never really talked about back then. But first of all, uh, textbook design. Wow, that's a tedious, that's a pretty tedious job. I'd rather do a, a store sign any day with like two words and a logo on it. But as far as the transition goes, um, so there's always been an aspect of the web with all these jobs. Pretty much anything we made for like a marketing purpose was then, you know, saved as a JPEG and put on the static website. And I built a lot of these websites, but it really wasn't as thorough as it is in now. This is before there was responsive design. This is where you used to just design something in Photoshop. You'd like add slice boxes and it'd export it to Dreamweaver and that was it. And it's like stuff we make fun of these days. It's kind of funny. So I think it just kind of happened naturally. Also with any, most industries that were print heavy, like the newspaper, print is going, you know, is definitely getting less and less popular for more digital experiences online. And this is industry-wide, you know, there isn't a newspaper that exists that's increasing their print production, I'm sure. So it just kind of happened naturally. I've always been interested in, in web stuff and the graphic design degree that I did get did focus a lot on the web development as well. So it's always just been a hybrid of both. It just happens to be that my current job is pretty much purely a digital experience now for our users and subscribers. Yeah, that's great. And <laughs> throwing you back to Dreamweaver, that is definitely uh, something I have a lot of experience with. And so how did you pick up the skill set of you know digital design? Because I know there is a lot of overlap between the theories and principles of traditional graphic design, but how did you kind of transition and go into the whole digital realm and learning the best practices for things like responsive web and user experience? Was it just in your day-to-day -day or? You know, it really was. My decade plus now at Newsday, I really am like learning from the best and the best in the industry. And the previous director that had the position I now had was really a talented guy. And I learned a lot from him. And so, and it was something we just learned together. I've been with him for the last 10 years. So as far as picking up the skills, I do feel that a lot of it was through my job and just adapting and taking note at other, you know, similar companies that did the same thing, but also just a personal interest. I would very often just inspect other sites and look at code and see how they did stuff, um, whether it be CSS, uh, what happened, modifying it. So I think it's just a day-to-day -day interest and also professional education and professional experiences. So it's really a combination of all that, you know, like most people like that do this career, live and breathe on the computer all the time. And so it just, it just happened organically, I suppose. And I constantly, if I see something cool, I want to know how to do it. So then I just learn how to do it. That's awesome. And you mentioned something now about inspecting sites and learning how to do HTML. So I'm going to come back to that a little later with a 
hot take question. But before I go there, I was curious to hear about, you mentioned earlier as well that Newsday Media, right? They are originally a print publication that has transitioned to the digital space to accommodate the way people consume content now. So in your opinion, since you have worked in both mediums, is there an advantage of digital over print? Or, you know, I also grew up in a world where everyone kept saying, you know, print is dead, print is dead. And so I had to transition quickly to go digital. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, print versus digital advantages, disadvantages, and your thoughts there. As far as a lot of people like print, you know, very often people that almost upset that things are being replaced digitally, they like to hold newspaper and read it, you know, and that's understandable. But as far as like digital replacing a lot of print things, I think a lot of the advantages are, are fairly obvious that one of them is ease of updating. If, you know, you print something and you need to update it, not only do you have to change the file, you need to reprint it. So there's a, a cost effectiveness there compared to just updating a file and then pushing that file. You know, example is like a, a menu uh, for a restaurant. You know, if they have a, a change to their menu on a print menu, you know, that's, you either got to like mangle the existing menu or reprint a whole new one. If it's digital, you just update the digital. Another thing is like, there's actually like color matching. I'm sure you've experienced this where you have a very specific brand color. And when you print that, you got to add a Pantone. You're like, what is our Pantone? So you, that's a fifth color. So that also increases cost. And then you got to make sure that whatever printer you're using is calibrated perfectly. So the color comes out right. With print, you just have a hex. Like this is our hex color. If the user's not seeing it right, it's their monitor. It's not the website, you know? That was always comforting to me as far as matching colors. Like with print, it was really like, you got to get the proofs. You got to make sure it's right. You got to make sure they set it up exactly like they set it up for your proof. Now it's just, you know, you get from marketing, this is the brand guidelines and these are our hex colors. It's pretty simple. I did already mention the cost effectiveness of it. One of my first jobs, we did menu boards, not menus, but menu boards. Like you'd go into, uh, you know, a Starbucks or like a movie theater and they have the movie theater, they have all the menu boards at the top. And we had a cool system where everything was on magnets. So they would have strips of items and they would have individual numbers for the price. And they could replace those magnetic strips as the, the prices and the menu items changed. And we would also make big headers. And so they could had a totally modifiable menu using magnetic strips. And so if they wanted to get something new, we would just print them just a strip. So they didn't have a whole new panel. But later on in my time there, we started just selling LCD televisions that they would put on their wall. And then we would usually, we'd set up a digital menu. And then, so then you would just update it digitally and then, you know, upload the file. So we made it really easy for them to update the menu, but it was even easier digitally. They could change it all throughout the day for no extra physical cost. It was just the cost of typing in a new number. I hear that. I remember going back in the day, going to the print shop and having to be on location to look at the proofs, you know, through the loops. And I have that be a really big part of my day and schedule into my week. So digital has definitely create a lot more efficiency as well. I remember, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but working in print, uh, you make a mistake, it goes to print. That lives there forever. I have a pretty embarrassing story about that, actually. Um, so I worked for a clothing company for like three, four years called Stephen Barry's. I'm sure a lot of people won't know what that is, but they were a pretty big clothing chain across the entire United States, hundreds of locations. And they sold a lot of athletic wear, but they also had like celebrity clothing lines. We had a campaign marketing campaign for in-store signs that included a lot of lifestyle photography and like a single word with the logo, Stephen Barry's on it. And 
So we would have like couple skipping on the beach and it would say like love Stephen Barry's. And then we'd have a, um, you know, a family having fun at a picnic and it would be like you know, family Stephen Barry's. And so there was one where there was, I'll just never forget it because it was such a major error on my part. There was a couple having fun on a tandem bicycle, just going down the street and said possibilities. One word, like 200 point font size. I somehow misspelled possibilities and with like no vowels. I don't know how I did it. I didn't catch it. The art director didn't catch it. Creative director didn't catch it. Marketing didn't catch it. Advertising didn't catch it. Legal didn't catch it. It was approved by Steve and Barry themselves. They were two real people. It was finally caught after it got printed and shipped to all the stores. A stock guy put it up and said, this is misspelled. And that was a really expensive mistake because I had to reprint all those posters again. These are giant store hanging posters. And so I just never forget it because so many people missed it. I, to this day, wonder how that even happened, but I really mangled the word possibilities. If that was a digital file, I wouldn't have remembered it because I would have just updated the file and pushed it out. So yeah, the pain I think of designers now who don't have to go through the struggle of proofing something 10 times to make sure it's right before it goes to print, right? So obviously I've had misspellings on a website where it's very easy to just kind of update that and push it live. But I also experienced the same thing where I had a misprint and no one caught it, went through tons of bureaucracy, levels of approvals, got to print. And as soon as it arrived, I said, oh, oh man, <laughs> there's a really bad typo in here and I can't do anything about it. So that's really funny that we both share that story and background. Going back to something you said about learning and picking up some of your digital skills and how you used to inspect websites. So this question, it's a hot take, I think, because a lot of people talk about it. But do you think designers should know how to code? You know, I think it's a huge advantage. I mean, the more you know, the better things are. So the overall question is, yes, it's advantageous to know how to code. But I do think there's some pros and cons to that. One of the pros is very often I do design and then I also then develop what I designed. And that's kind of cool because I'm able to design something in a way that is easy to develop. Whether I want to or not, I'm thinking ahead, like, how am I going to build this? What am I going to do? How am I going to split up the, the divs? You know, what, what am I going to do with the CSS? Let's make it easy for myself. And that's nice because you save time, you make it easy. It could be a quick project. But it's, I think there's also a con. You're also potentially sacrificing creativity because you're being held back by what is easy, not what, you know, is really effective. So I do think there's a little bit of a, of a hurdle there that you need to almost turn the development part of your brain off when designing and really make sure that like, you're focusing on that. And that's something I need to do all the time because I'll make something that just makes my life easy instead of really taking the time to make something cool. Because very often I'll make something really cool and be like, oh man, how am I going to flex box this? I have no idea. But that's for developer Anthony to figure out. So I do think there's a pro and con there. And similarly, I think it's a pro that you can continue to design after you start developing it. You know, very often I'll start writing the code and I'll be like, oh man, I actually don't like the way this looks, even though it was just last week that I made it. And so I will start to change it. And that's not necessarily good. You should really partition the steps of a project creation into, you know, specific steps. You get a design approval. And if you start editing it, then all of a sudden you're editing the approved design. So that's something I need to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, you make really good points. And I agree. I believe knowing code or at least the basic principles of how something gets put together on the web is really advantageous to 
the design decisions you might make. But on the flip side, and you mentioned it earlier, it does inhibit sometimes when you're designing, when you realize like, oh, this would be really cool if I designed it this way, but it's breaking my grid and it's going to be such a pain to code. And I actually sometimes will even go back to just kind of pen and pencil my ideas. And I know I've had a few designers in the past that be like, you know, Mark, pen and pencil, we're designing a website, like a digital product. And I said, listen, sometimes it's just easier to get ideas out there that aren't inhibited by my design skills, Photoshop skills, web skills, coding skills, right? I mean, I think you limit yourself based off what you know how you can do versus what your creativity will allow. So that's a really good point because I feel like I've also gone down that path of designing something really cool and then scaling it back because I realize, oh no, it's, it's just going to be so hard to develop. But that's the thing. There's a give and take there because if something is, is really difficult, it's going to take a long time and therefore cost more. It's a balance that you know, needs to be found. But, but definitely keep that in mind if you are both to not let the how am I going to make this stop you from at least exploring uh, the ideas. And that's a great point about just taking a pencil and a paper and just doing some quick wireframes, you know, just to get an idea of the layout or the composition. You know, I kind of started doing that in, um, we use Figma now, but we use Sketch, all the Adobe programs. There's so many, you know, layout programs that you can use and they have like that, those brainstorming tools. But yeah, there's something about writing on a piece of paper with a pencil. So definitely uh, don't skip the wireframing and idea part of the process. Great advice for other designers in the field. So I know you mentioned that you do your own development for some of your projects, but how has learning or knowing programming and coding, how has that helped you communicate with other developers? Has that been something you've had to deal with or has that played a role in your current job? Oh, definitely. Um, It's huge. Something I really consider valuable is that I am a part of so many parts of the process of, of the product creation where I and part of the meeting where I'm talking with essentially, I guess, the, um, the stakeholders, the publisher, our editor-in-chief, a whole bunch of the editorial department about what new things they could want or use on the site or what new thing we could put on the site to you know, benefit our users. And so I'm part of that conversation. And then so as we're talking about that, I'm already designing and building in my head. I might even start doing it on the side as we're talking about it. Then I design it all. I work with, I only work with two other designers at the moment. So we'll like work together, we'll riff to each other, and then we'll start presenting it and then getting feedback with other departments until something's approved. And then once it's approved, then I can go right to setting up the markup, you know, the HTML, um, the styles, which is honest, I love doing styles. It's like my favorite thing to do. Um, and I start to do a little bit of JavaScript, but I quickly get overwhelmed. And then so that I pass that on to um, guys much smarter than myself and they handle that. But because I was part of the whole thing, I'm really good at being a resource of communicating what the function should be to the developers that will then make it dynamic and work with our backend systems. So to the point I even made earlier, you know, clearly sometimes having your knowledge in a bunch of areas, you can kind of be like a jack of a whole bunch of trades, but a master of none. And there's something to be said about being a master of a trade. But you're certainly a good benefit the more you know about even other people's jobs because you're able to, you know, empathize and understand their challenges from multiple departments and able to help communicate and bridge the gap of communication between all the workers in those departments. Yeah, I did a um, talk maybe I think pre-pandemic, and it was just talking about ways to communicate and collaborate better across teams. 
And one of the points is that you just touched on that I made as well was creating a shared language, right? So if you know how to program or code or have that understanding of just basic HTML or CSS and divs and how things are built and vice versa, if your developers understand basic principles of design, I think really what happens is you create this shared language that makes things or makes projects much more seamless because you guys can communicate a lot more seamlessly. You can kind of speak each other's language and it doesn't require, you know, I would never call myself a programmer, even though I have that skill set. But just being able to talk about basics and why my design is not looking like it is developed and being able to kind of bridge that gap has been a huge benefit of, in my opinion, learning how to code and knowing that and having that knowledge base. Have you ever used any no-code tools, things like Webflow or Wix or Squarespace? I'm curious to get your thoughts on development tools like that that make it much more accessible to designers who don't necessarily have the hand coding experience. You know what? I haven't. I'm aware of them. I like looked into them and stuff, but I actually like almost like uh, take a weird like sense of pride of just like starting my sites from just like hand coding them, you know, and I because I like to know every single little piece in it. I know whenever I use like a existing WordPress template or or something like Bootstrap, like Bootstrap's like a four letter word where we work. So I know if I wasn't if I didn't do what I did, I would totally use those services to build build stuff. But since I do and like really enjoy creating something from scratch, I haven't personally used them. And like I mentioned, I really do like to know all the little ins and outs of everything that I'm writing. It just gives me personal satisfaction. So I'm aware of those. I have not used them, but I certainly know I totally would if I didn't do this for a living. That's great. And so for designers who don't have that skill set of programming and coding, do you have any advice for them in terms of how they can start learning the process or at least building that skill set? So whether they want to program full-time or not, they can at least bridge that gap in communication and start understanding a bit more about how their designs go from, you know, flat designs to actual interactive websites. It's such an amazing time because you can really learn anything, even on like YouTube. Um, so if you want to do something, there's already someone else who kind of did it, figured it out and made a tutorial for it. I don't have any experience whatsoever in PHP, but I've learned how to code in PHP just from step-by-step -step looking up um, tutorials and looking up how to write things. And I've created an entire interactive game years and years ago in PHP, and I have no formal training whatsoever. So utilize, you know, the internet and the resources available to you. And of course there are, you know, you can of course go and get a college education in it, or you could do what are now seem a lot easier and they're quicker and I'm sure more cost effective are these boot camps where for several months or like uh, up to a year you'll just go hardcore into a certain you know like JavaScript or Node or React um, things I don't know and I would like to learn those things or just you know basic web development so if you want something between going on YouTube and going to a full-blown four four-year degree look into these boot camps they offer for like six months to a year we have, in my company, we have no problem hiring people that get these uh, certificates because they usually have such a great working knowledge and they're really like learning the freshest new stuff as well. I would say those are your tiers of learning. You could start with online, just doing uh, searches and, and looking around the internet, or you can look into these uh, boot camp classes or of course a, a full-blown degree. Yeah, that's great advice as well. I think what the pandemic has done, right, to kind of talk about the elephant in the room, it's made things a lot more accessible because everything is online now. 
So you can take those classes from the comfort of your home and not have to worry about fitting it into your schedule or going to night school. But on that topic, how has remote life and remote work affected your job and your role? Have you seen any improvements or disadvantages being in a remote hybrid work situation? You know what? I think there's mostly advantages, honestly. I started working from home like the day I was supposed to go back to work after I took a few months off because my, my son was born. I was so excited to go back to the office. And that was a day where just everything shut down and everyone started working from home. And I worked home ever since. Um, so there's two, two things, though, that are really great. Um, one, I'm able to watch my kids grow up. And, you know, just personally, that's been amazing. A lot of working parents that just work a nine to five at an office, they don't see their kids all day. I see my kids for every single meal, every single day. I'm waking up with them and putting them to sleep. I'm hanging out with them all day long. And that's really amazing. I know I'm going to look back at this time and be like, what a, you know, blessing in disguise that this kind of happened because I was, I'm able to be like here all the time with my kids. My, my wife is a nurse, so she doesn't have the luxury of phoning that job in. So she has, and she has a crazy schedule. So me being home has really made it nice that I am flexible to be around whenever I need to be. Um, but at that point, I'm also flexible to get down to work anytime I need to get down to work. So the other part of that, though, is it has been really great for work because of what our department of, of developers do. We're all computer people. We're all coders. So we've really adapted to working from home well. But luckily, we do have like a three-hour block in the middle of the day that we block out and we call it a workshop. And we just like a dozen plus of us all hang out in there. And if there's something I need to work on, we will share our screen. We'll work on it. And this is actually really great for also learning what other people are doing and their challenges and able to look at their code and break it down. It's been really interesting to work this way because in a way, we're learning things that we wouldn't have learned being in a physical office, but not being able to look over someone's shoulder with the press of a button. So I'm in no rush to go back because uh, you know, there's plenty of activity here. Watching my kids, you know, our company and department is still thriving. So. I know a lot of people don't have that experience. I feel for teachers. I feel for people like my wife who had to go to work at the hospital in this type of situation, you know? So as far as a, something you could choose to be least affected by the last two years of this, you know, horrible change that has happened that we're all experiencing, I consider myself one of the luckiest people. So good on that end, but I'm sorry, everybody else. That's cool. I'm really intrigued by this concept that you just, the, the workshop. I'm curious to, to learn a little bit more about that. So do you just all jump onto a call? Is there some sort of agenda set or is it just like an open work session where you're all in the same virtual space? Yeah, well, it's pretty much that. You know, every morning we have our scrum. So for half an hour, you know, we go around the room. We talk about what we're doing, what we did the day before, any questions, you know, riff on things. And Sometimes they'll be like, okay, we'll explore that more in the workshop later. We'll, we'll take a look at that in the workshop. So sometimes we do have something specific that we're going to look at, but sometimes we don't. And it's just, we all go in there, we hang out, you know, we goof off like we were in the office. But if someone has a question, oh, hey, you got a second? Take a look at this. What should I do with this? We go into, what are they called? Breakout rooms. And you can kind of like focus on something more with somebody. So yeah. And also if you, like myself, I really like the personal, I like the, um, camaraderie of being in an office with everybody and you know and you're all you're hanging out your friends you know and so this this doesn't replace that but it brings some of it back because it's more of a casual place to work together like you're in the same giant open room but you're not you're all just working from home so yeah i love the workshop 
That's cool. I might have to steal that and use that for my own team. Uh, I agree as well that one of the things that I miss the most is the camaraderie and being able to just have conversations with people in the office much more naturally, right? It feels a bit more scripted now when you have to message someone or Slack someone. It loses that organic nature of it. And on the flip side, I think one of the biggest challenges, at least that I've faced going remote with my team and my company is the collaboration and the brainstorming. Those were much easier, in my opinion, to do in person. Obviously, there are tools like Figma, Figma Jam, InVision, whiteboarding that you can facilitate these types of conversations from a virtual setting. But nothing, in my opinion, replaces just being able to sit in a room with someone and just kick around some ideas. So that workshop might be the perfect solution to that for my team. Yeah, totally. You know, I just, I'm thinking about it now. It was cool at our office. We painted all our walls with essentially like whiteboard material and we just had markers everywhere. So it was like we were living in, in fig jam. And so we would just like write, you know, ideas on the walls everywhere. And then when it was time to reference it, we'd be like, oh, it's that, it's over there. It's right, that one over there. So you usually reminded me of that because that was really cool. But yeah, you know, definitely pros and cons. But luckily in a digital industry, working remotely and digitally is easier than most other industries, of course. Yeah, and that's funny. We also had the whiteboard walls. We also had glass desks. There was writing everywhere in the office. And uh, for better or worse, sometimes a little disorganized because I'd be like, where did I write that note? And I was like, oh, it's in the desk in the conference room uh, and someone erased it already. I forgot to write it down. But yeah, that was just the, the interaction of it and being able to just have such organic brainstorming. I miss a lot, but it sounds like we both have similar situations there and experience there. So I know your career has really gone and run the gamut of a lot of different experiences. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced in your whole career? And whether it's in the print world or making that transition from print to digital, what are some challenges that really stood out to you that you can talk about? I think recently the biggest challenge is with user experience, and there's a lot of new tools available where you can test designs, you could test new features of things. Um, in the past, you would make something and you'd be like, this looks cool. It'll probably be received well. You would show it to you know, your bosses. They'd be like, yeah, it looks cool. You know? And so it was just like, does this look cool? Does this look nice in the past? Now there's much more focus on what does the data say? We've been doing so much A-B testing lately that I want to A-B test more stuff, but it kind of will start messing up the results of previous A-B tests because we're crisscrossing experiments at that point. And for those that don't know, A-B test is where we'll have our website and we'll have two design ideas for, you know, let's say um, a special module on our page. We're going to have two design ideas and 50% of the visitors to the site will get one, 50% will get the other. And to simplify, we'll see which gets clicked more. And then, so then we have empirical data to know which one works best. Instead of thinking or feeling, this one will probably work. It's got a bigger picture. This one will work. It has bigger fonts. You don't have to really, you can make that assumption, but now you can back up your hypothesis with real data. And so we've been really focusing on that to try to increase subscriptions, to try to increase engagement um, by using these tests and then incrementally making the site more enjoyable for our users to use. So that's been a big challenge for me is having to do that extra step. Instead of just having fun, making something look cool, now I got to do like homework and see if people really like it, get empirical evidence of that. So that's been a huge challenge for me. Another challenge actually is 
is keeping up with new technology, keeping up with even new visual trends. By focusing on the visual and the development side, you now have to keep up with two really fast moving industries, essentially. I sometimes, I feel like I can't. Even just working on it all day, I feel like I need to put aside time to like look up and like really look at things and like to not to get inspired, but to look up like new inspiration. Like what is the new visual stuff that really cool cutting edge designers are doing? What is the new development stuff that really advanced dynamic coders are figuring out how to make sites work faster, load faster, be smoother, communicate even better with Google to get better SEO. There's so many aspects to design and development and they keep changing so fast. It's probably the biggest challenge is just keeping up and trying to feel not insecure that I'm being left behind. I feel you on that. I think uh, keeping up has been one of the challenges I face as well. I feel like once I get the hang of a new iOS or a new screen size, Apple or Android will just come out with a new device with new dimensions that I have to learn all over again, or even web development best practices. You know, I spend a lot of time working on SEO and learning how to optimize not only my designs, but the actual code and whatnot. And then a whole new set of parameters comes out and then you have to relearn what you just learned. So it's a constant game of trying to keep up with what's coming out and keep learning, which is both exciting, right? It's, it's never a boring day, but sometimes it's just like, man, I, I wish I could just get a year where nothing new comes out and I can kind of, I can kind of just become this expert without having to pick up a new skill set. So on the flip side, so I know I asked about a big challenge you faced. On the flip side, looking back at your career and the work you do now, have there been moments or a single moment that is really memorable to you where you've thought to yourself, like, wow, yeah, this is, I've made it. This is great. This is kind of a highlight of my career. To be frank, I guess the most recent one is just becoming the director of design at Newsday. I mean, that really feels great. And I'm so excited that I'll have um, more of a role for the vision and the design of, of the company as a whole. I have wonderful relationships with all the other visual departments. We have marketing and advertising and editorial. It's going to be really great time working with all of them to just continually to improve the brand. So that's one time. Um, I did mention the United Nations. I had a blast working for them. I just felt like it was something so important, you know, peacekeeping missions around the world. I mean, that's great. I mean, selling newspapers is a wonderful thing, but trying to create world peace, <laughs> that really felt great to be part of that, you know? I'm trying to think of some others. I think those are really good ones. I've heard a lot of conversations about like, can design save the world and working for the UN, you probably are making much more of an impact than, I don't want to diminish anyone's design, but you know, that is very directly a great role to be in to make social impact and change the world. So that sounds like great experience. Yeah, but you know, while I am talking about the United Nations though, you mentioned something about bureaucracy earlier. I mean, you want to talk about bureaucracy. I have a joke. I've, I've been there for a year. I was there for a year, United Nations. What I did there was just pretty basic web design for like applications that their, I guess, these missions would use overseas and they would use these applications to submit things for logistics and stuff. So it was a pretty like, you know, it wasn't visually very exciting, but it was, you know, it felt really good to work for them. But my joke is like, I went in my first day, I designed this, this layout for this form up and up and up the chain. And then so 13 bosses later, it was approved and then sent back down the chain. And then it was my last day, a year later. So an insane bureaucracy because it's an international company with just 
tons of people. I don't even understand how it could work. Um, but it was still really great to be a part of that. I can't even imagine <laughs> how much levels of approval that has to go through if it took that long for you to finally see it come to fruition. Probably the best part was the, um, the cafeteria, was an international cafeteria. The food I've never eaten in my life. It was so amazing. I have been to the UN once. Unfortunately, did not get to go to the cafeteria, but I believe that was probably a great perk of working in that building. And a great view from the 40th floor. Really great view. Great neighborhood. And you mentioned that one of the things you're excited for was the future and vision now that you are the director of design for Newsday Media. So can you talk a little bit about what's on the future for you on the horizon? Are there any big things you're working on or planning for that you can speak about? Like I mentioned, we've definitely been focusing on digital subscription. So we're really trying to make the experience on our site a good one. You know, you want, if you want Long Island news, we've got the most Long Island news. You know, we, we have some tri-state area stuff as well, but probably the most exciting thing we're working on is our Newsday TV. We're launching very soon. We have built our own studio and we have hired anchors and producers. And so we have a whole new wing that's focusing on television. So we're going to have all day long new news shows and news clips. So that's something really exciting that we're working on. So we're hoping to become a source of news, just like all the other news that you like to watch on TV, but you'll be watching it on uh, newsday.com. That's great. So I know we are reaching towards the end here. I did want to ask as we get close to wrapping up, what advice would you give to your younger self? To my younger self, other than like, you know, invest in stocks and stuff, I would tell myself to finish the projects that you start. I've have been a creative kid ever since, well, I was a kid and I've made so many things. I've started so many projects. I would, I make music, I make board games, movies, comic books. I just had fun making all that, but I never finish them because something else comes along that inspires me even more. And then I go and jump over to that. And so I wish I just finished more projects when I was younger. And just finally now, I'm finally starting to actually be disciplined enough to complete and launch and publish certain projects, personal projects that I want to do. So that's what I would tell myself. So anyone that's listening, if you're working on something and you're creative and you want to get stuff out there and then you get a new idea and you want to go and put that out there, just finish what you're working on. Put it out there. You're going to look back and be like, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I'm getting these finished projects under my belt and like released to the, the public. And you might look back and be like, oh, I would have done something different, but you'll be glad you did it. That's great. And I'm actually going to take that advice for myself. I am notorious for having tons of ideas and starting these like mini side projects and working on them and then never actually putting them out there. They just kind of live in my head or just on my home computer. But uh, I really know I should put it out there and just put it out in the world and see what happens. So that's really great advice that I will take. I feel motivated by that one. Now for this episode's Majestic Bite. We cover a lot of different topics on every episode. So to bring everything together, can you share your number one takeaway that our audience can walk away from, from today's conversation? Um, sure. So, you know, in this new world of user experience, which is a shoot off of design and product design, I really think it's important to pay attention to your own experiences. We're at a huge advantage being creators of digital products since we ourselves use digital products all the time. So next time you download a new app or go to a site for the first time, Take note of your like first impression. Take note of how they're introducing you to the features. Take note of what you look at first. 
And then understanding your first reaction, you're able to then look back at the site and dissect it and maybe figure out why. What did they do? How did they build this? How did they direct my eye? How did they introduce me to the buttons or the features? So you can have that first experience for something. Um, because you're, it's unfortunate when you do create something, you, don't, you never have that first experience that other people do. But you do have first experiences for other things. So, so really take note of what, you're, what you are experiencing and then try to use that knowledge to help better your own creation. Anthony, it's been really great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. If people want to find out more about you or your company, uh, where can people go? Sure. Well, you can um, go to newsday.com to see stuff about Newsday. Um, my personal website is anthonycarrozzo.com. That's a C-A-R-R-O-Z-Z-O. You could just check that out. I have a whole lot of projects going on. Um, I'm in the process of releasing a new game. So you can actually go to archimedesgameco.com, releasing a card deck, hopefully in the next few months. Also going to be releasing a cookbook with my wife. Hopefully that's out in a year. And I also create a lot of um, music for fun. And so you can check that out on my site as well. That's great. And we'll link out to these in the description of our channel. But again, thanks so much for your time today. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Mark. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. You can see all the show notes and details related to this episode at MajesticApps.com.